It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Andre Abradovich. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Mate, well, it's a privilege to be here, and uh, the meal we just had was absolutely amazing. Amazing. Slow-roasted lamb, was it? Slow-roasted lamb shoulder. With bacon. The bacon was cooked separately in the air fryer, but it was literally just thrown in the, in the slow cooker for 24 hours with nothing prepared by my beautiful fiance Anna Boulder made it over. So big thank you to Anna. And glad you enjoy, enjoyed the meal, Andre. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in person to the Become Your Own Superhero show. Uh, you are our third in-person guest out of about 66 episodes. And I think just the experience for the listener will be a, a much more productive one. You are an extraordinary individual. And I, I was in my research for you, Andre, was going through your LinkedIn where you've listed all your certifications. And I think I was getting fatigued like going through them all. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who this extraordinary individual is? Well, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm just a normal guy. Um, so thanks. Um, my background. Um, so I joined the military at 18, served in the Australian Army for just under 20 years, uh, left the military and went and or while I was in the military, I was a soldier first, then I went through military college, Duntroon, um, did a whole range of different roles overseas in Australia. I got out just before the Afghanistan war. So although I did serve overseas, I'm not you know, uh, a war hero or someone that served in a real war zone. I did serve in Cambodia with the United Nations for nine months. Um, and I got out of the army and I then joined a company called Cisco, which was fantastic, selling back to defence in Australia originally. And then I took on a role across um, different parts of the world, reporting into a boss in the, in the US, uh, running our defence business development efforts. Um, and then I left there and went to work for another company, uh, Samsung, which was a totally different experience. Uh, I, I stayed there for 14 months and I left a shattered man because it was just a atrocious place to work. And basically I left that and didn't go back to the corporate world again. I ended up uh, changing my life and uh, getting into health and wellness. And I've been doing that for about uh, seven to eight years now where I coach people all around the world. I've got a whole range of, as you said, certifications because uh, I believe it's important that people not only have experience, uh, both a lived experience of 
a health change themselves. For me, it was going from 80 kilos to 63 kilos seven years ago and moving from, you know, that typical stupid Australian and American approach to eating shit food to eating low carb, which, uh, low carb, which is very, very healthy. I know you're carnivore, which for you is what you want to do and is very healthy for you, but, you know, that's what I do. Um, so having a lived experience of having to make significant changes is to me a high qualification, but then also having qualifications like, you know, I'm a primal health coach certified by Mark Sisson and I was lucky to be um, ranked as one of the top nine primal health coaches around the world in one of their magazines they put out. Um, I'm an ambassador for the Noakes Foundation, so amazing man, Professor Tim Noakes. Uh, he's a great guy and I we donated some money to the foundation and they asked me to come over to South Africa and do a talk to help doctors understand how we can coach people to better health outcomes um, I've done my cert three cert four in you know fitness and group fitness and I should call it, I should call it sickness instructing because <laughs> I believe the fitness industry is all about keeping people fat and sick in, in some cases and following stupid myths, but we'll talk about that later. Um, and, and I'm an ICF certified professional leadership coach, which I think is the key um, qualification that I think helps me coach people because it helps you ask those curious questions, which are so important because I believe people people know what, the real answer is they just have trouble accessing the resources to find a solution. And if you're right, if you ask the right question instead of spoon feeding people, they'll find that they'll find the answer and they'll find a solution. So, so yeah. But yeah, I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm just lucky that I've had an opportunity to make a change and find a passion and help people, which is my coaching and building that into a an occupation and something I love doing that fits in with my own um, marathoning and half Ironman racing as a, as a hobby. So good, Andre. And I think you've got the proud honor of having the best pins to have ever come through to the become your own uh, superhero studios here in South Bank in Melbourne. And one of the other things that struck me as well, and, and uh, I don't know whether there's a link between something I know, but you did mind power coaching as well. Was that through John Kehoe, by any chance? No, that was through um, Kim Safar- Safaria. I can't pronounce her surname. Up in um, Queensland, it was a course I did um, through her and her team of people. That was oh, quite a while ago. Yeah. The the, the reason I, I referenced it, I interviewed a guy, Robin Banks, who's South African, who has uh, is teaching mind power from a Canadian guy, John Kehoe, right. who's a famous uh, author, a really successful guy, he's still alive. And it's helped me tremendously as well. So it just I'm sure there's a lot of similarities from that teaching plus the stuff that I've been through plus all this other extraordinary, these credentials that you've developed with this extraordinary life. And something that you didn't touch on, and I hope we're able to, to explore it a little bit, like through your own health journey, I know you've been very public Certainly, in the, some of the research I've been doing regarding your own depression, anxiety, and and other health issues, Are you able to explore a little bit more about what was going on? Yeah, well, um, it was a pretty challenging time in my life, um, working in a particular role in um, in in a company that 
the culture was a lot different to what I'd experienced in the military and in uh, Cisco, the great American company. And I just struggled very badly with the culture difference and the expectations. Um, and it basically took me down a very deep, dark hole. Um, and it took me a long, long time to climb out of that. Um, part of that was trying to work out, well, you know, what can I do that's not stressful? You know, what sort of job or career can I have that will enable me to be healthy, help people, earn money and not be stressed? So I had to find something to do that I was in charge of my own time and not have someone else being on top of me all the time. And that's why I went into doing the coaching courses to get qualifications. And originally I thought, while well, seeing I had all this leadership experience that I'd go back into the corporate world. But what I found was I did get asked to go and work in companies as a corporate coach, but you'd have to put the suit on. In, the, in This is pre-COVID times. This is eight years ago, right? So you'd have to put the suit on and go into an office. I'd have to be driving in the traffic early morning and be in the office all day working with a whole range of people. And I found that was almost giving me anxiety just thinking about it. So I had to find some other way of earning money and having passion. And that was building my own coaching practice myself where I was in charge of my time. But it took a long time and no one no one gave me that solution. No one gave me the answer. Um, and part of it was also speaking. I'm a speaker for Beyond Blue, which is one of Australia's biggest um, charities to help um, reduce the stigma associated with mental health. Um, so speaking about what happened to me and how I started to recover by having hope, resilience um, about the future helped me under accept what had happened to me and just move forward. So by helping other people and talking about that lived experience was something that I think helped help me move on. What were some of the major symptoms of your version of depression? day-to-day life yeah um um i lost motivation to exercise um i didn't want to get out of bed um i had diarrhea for months um at its worst part i was getting pains in the chest and having you know like panic attacks by the chest heart palpitations um people said i looked terrible i couldn't sleep so i'd be trying to go to sleep and I'd just roll around all night and my head would just be spinning all night. Um, yeah, it was pretty shit. <laughs> and, I mean, it sounds like some pretty, you know, for lack of a better word, cliche symptoms that you're describing that that are all too commonplace in, in this modern world that we live in. Uh, it's phenomenal that you've been able to come out the other side of this. And, it, and it's, do you still have moments where you and how do you cope with that these days? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, especially this year, it's been quite stressful with COVID and not being able to race and not being able to get out um, and just being locked in, like in Melbourne. We live in Melbourne, so we, as you know, we've been locked down for 12, you know, almost the whole year where you haven't been able to go more than five kilometres from your house, which is total bullshit. Um so how how that's how it's been, how to cope with it. Well, I do a lot of nasal breath work. So 
Uh, if I feel that I'm getting uptight or tense, you know, I, I block one side of my nose and I breathe in and hold for three seconds and blow out through the other side and hold for three seconds. And, you know, that helps bring our body into balance, into a parasympathetic state because, you know, we have the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic. So nasal breath work is something I do. Um, we have a sauna, infrared sauna. So sometimes I'll hop in the sauna. Sometimes I'll hop in the bath with magnesium salts but you know the other thing is you know if you get a thought in your head if I get a thought in my head about something that starts to bring on this catastrophe sort of thought pattern I've been able to build this skill to say okay well acknowledge I acknowledge the thought coming into the head and then I sort of accept that it's coming but I then try and not think about it and just let it sort of flow away and it takes a lot of practice and thought to sort of get that happening better and to think about something positive instead, something that you're grateful for and, and that everything will be okay, you know. Um, so just sort of doing it. The other thing is getting out in the sun, <laughs> lying out in the sun in my jocks on the back deck, getting some sun on me because we need the sun. And, you know, people that have low vitamin D levels, there is a lot of science that shows that people have low vitamin D have higher cases of depression and mental health issues. And my vitamin D is like 260. And we were just talking before that the range is 50 to 250. And most people in Australia probably have their doctors say, oh, if you've got 60 or 80 or 100, that's good enough. Well, it's not. You need it as high as you can without being toxic. So, you know, mine's 267. And I think that helps. And their science shows that having higher vitamin D levels helps with better mental health as well. Uh, well, a hundred percent. And from my own N equals one experience, Andre, I, you know, having gone through my own uh, health changes and transformation of the last few years, I've been very public about my almost daily running, and I don't wear a shirt, rain, hail, or snow. And it, and I find now it's it's. I think initially it was to show off a little bit, and but it's actually really fucking beneficial, and I like. I feel like almost I see more shirtless runners now yeah. because I think it's I, okay. Yeah, I do the same, mate. And if I had arms like yours, I wouldn't mind showing them off. <laughs> <laughs> Look at his arms compared to mine. Mate. I got we, nothing. We haven't got it on beauty mode on, uh, my, on the my, Zoom recording. <laughs> my biceps as big as his four. His, his, his biceps are as big as my quads. <laughs> well, you can have my biceps. I'll have your, your, your thighs. Um, one of the... One of the areas of interest, and this is all relative new to me as well as this, this this nasal breathing. Like, from a scientific point of view, where does this come from? Well, I'd say it comes from a more cultural cultural thing that there's all these yogis from you know, India and countries around the, that area from ancient times that, and into Asia that had practiced. A, a lot of yoga and meditation with nasal breathwork. And, you know, Wim Hof is someone that people can look at, although he's more not into nasal breathwork, but the importance of controlling the breath and, and using the breath to help manage the immune system function. And he's done some amazing things. But from what I understand, and I'm not an expert in it, but if people want to learn more, they can read about it in a book by James Nestor called Breath. Um, there's a book called The Oxygen Advantage from Patrick McEwen as well. 
it, it talks about the fact that, you know, we're not meant to breathe through our mouth and we're meant to breathe through our nose. And I think we were saying before while we're eating that beautiful lamb that I don't believe there's any animal in the world that breathes through their mouth except for us dumb humans. Um, so we're meant to breathe through our nose because our nose, breathing through the nose puts our body into a automatically into a parasympathetic relaxed state because our body doesn't understand that when we, when we breathe through our mouth, our body doesn't understand that the saber-toothed tiger isn't chasing us and coming to kill us, which if, our, if we breathe through our mouth, our body goes into a stress state a sympathetic nervous state, which means we get more cortisol, more adrenaline, our um, our fat burning turns off, we want sugar. Um, you know, if we're stressed, we can't get pregnant. If we're stressed, we can't digest our food. If we're stressed, we can't have a crap. So all these functions turn off in our body because we breathe through our mouth, even though we're not stressed. So nasal breath work is something to calm us down, makes us more relaxed, and it's much healthier. It helps us helps us get oxygen deeper into the bottom lobes of our lung. It builds our ability to run if we're an athlete, run faster at a lower heart rate because we're getting better utilization of the oxygen. So from my understanding where it comes from is from ancient times, from India, Nepal, you know, that sort of area and in Asia. And it was really a practice brought out by people in those times that has come into parts of the modern age and there is a lot of science reflecting the benefits of it and how children you know children that eat all the shit carbohydrate mushy food and cereal and breathe through their mouth have massive deformities in their mouth i mean we were talking about that before yeah yeah well this is some of the work of western a price that we've spoken about you know and that that uh, dr chris kenobi uh, in that interview um which which will be out by the time this comes talks about the malformation of jaws, the, um, I think, is it occlusion, occlusion, the jaw occlusion, whatever it's called. I think I'm mispronouncing it there. But certainly uh, I feel like like over the last couple of years, Andre, because I've adopted this largely carnivorous diet, I've developed what, what's called this hunter-gatherer jaw. And I've still got a little bit of you know body fat there that I could lose, and it's coming off slowly now that I've beaten sugar. But I've developed this jaw and I feel like my teeth are spreading out a little bit. And it's really interesting. Like from an evolutionary point of view, it, like we're supposed to have straight teeth and good strong jaws. Yeah. How many, like my kids both had braces, right? Because from when they were young, when I was eating shit normal food that most people eat, that's what we ate. Um, how many of these clinics are now set up for orthodontics around Australia? everywhere they're every the small clinic the whatever clinic the whatever clinic it's everywhere yeah. and it's because of kids eating soft food because we're we're supposed to be scared of meat because it gives us heart disease what a load of bullshit right or or if we eat meat the planet's going to die from global warming which is more bullshit right as as gary fetke and his wife belinda talk about i mean it's a health scare that's promoted by the food industry it's not a health scare. It's a health issue that's been caused by the food industry and people who want to promote veganism and not eating meat 
and eating all those soft grains. They're the things. In fact, I'd be surprised if the dentist association isn't funding some of those ads so they get more clients, frankly. But, I mean, if, if people want to le- re- learn more about this, if they look at that book by James Nestor, he has done with scientists, they measured everything in his mouth, him and one other guy from uh, somewhere in uh, Northern Europe got together and they did experiments where they would, you know, they taped their nose shut for a month and they had to do everything breathing through their mouth. They put on weight, their blood markers changed, their hormone levels changed, they felt absolutely crap, they couldn't exercise, their, their mouth shape changed. Within days of taking the um, things out of their nose, they shoved things up their nose to block it. Within days of taking those out, their blood markers, their um, biometrics, things started to change for them. It's all in this book by James Nestor. It's a great book and people should read it if they doubt what we're talking about. Yeah, it's so interesting. I, and it's, you know, if you're listening to this for the first time and, and you haven't had an opportunity to, to check out some of the other guests that we've had over the last, you know, year, this might sound like a lot of woo-woo and it's easy to think that because I that's exactly what I used to think as well. But if you told me five years ago that eating an all-meat diet would lead to the single greatest, you know, performance enhancement you know, leanest, most muscle, libido, mental health, perfect bowel movements, phenomenal prostate, like I would have laughed in your face. It turns out that's the case. And so my question for you, Andre, is what's the single greatest learning that's totally blown your mind in all of this that you've picked up over the last few years? Firstly, to as an athlete or as a normal person, and normal people can be athletes, but, you know, someone that's really chasing goals in athletic performance and or just normal everyday people, um, no pain, no gain is dead. So what do I mean by that? What do I, what do I mean by that is that, and I've got practical experience, right? So seven years ago I was running all based on the 220 heart rate minus your age and building zones, which is what all the bullshit fitness magazines tell us and Running World tells us and every gym has 220 and has all these heart rate zones. It's total BS. All that does is make us stressed, make us not lose weight, make us slower, make us inflamed because that was me. I was getting my calves massaged twice a week by the physio. I was always exhausted. I was always craving sugar, eating porridge, wheat bix, all that bullshit processed food, and I was fat. And I was paying a dietitian 200 bucks an hour to keep me fat, right? So that was the first thing. And what, what I learned is that training in a more comfortable state where you're using the Maffetone method, Dr. Phil Maffetone, um, his approach is 180 minus your age is your aerobic heart rate. Now, for some people, they'll say, well, I can't run at that heart rate. Well, okay, but have patience because I'm 55. I just ran a 327 marathon. My average heart rate was 126. Next day I wasn't even sore. I breathed through my nose for most of that run. Easy, comfortable. And you were fasted too. And I was totally fasted. So the first thing is no pain, no gain is dead. And if you don't understand what that means, next time you go to the gym, look around and all these poor people, 
killing themselves exercising like hell at 5.30 in the morning. And if you go back three months later or six months later, 95% of them, they'll still be have the same body composition. They'll, they, they won't have improved, yet they're still doing the same thing because personal trainers, and I am one, but I don't do it because I don't want to work as a personal trainer and a fitness instructor, they tell them, you're doing the right thing. You've got to work harder, eat less, don't eat fat, and you've got to push your heart rate. And all it does is drive cortisol, compromises our immune system, doesn't make us healthy, it makes us sick. So that, that's the first one. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. That's a pretty damn good one. Yeah. Do you have any more? Oh, yeah, the second one. As, as Tim Noakes said, Professor Tim Noakes, an amazing man, um, you don't need to eat carbohydrates and, and fill your body full of carbohydrates to run well as an endurance runner. So once again, when I was following the myths of the sickness industry and Runner's World magazines about killing myself training, I was also making that worse by eating a high carbohydrate diet. You know, I had, I remember writing it on my hand in a texter for each marathon. I got to have a gel at this 45 minutes, then one at 90 minutes and one at an hour 45. And I've got to have X amount of Gatorade and all this shit. So I was following the lessons that all these so-called experts were giving us and it wasn't giving me the results. I was still fat. I was always starving. And that's all about this myth that we need to fuel on carbohydrates. So, you know, if people here really take their fucking glasses off, am I allowed to say that? You absolutely they take their glasses off and look in the mirror at themselves. You've got to ask yourself, is the advice I'm taking working for me? Because our running and health shouldn't be a struggle, yet most people feel like they have to struggle to get performance gains. So as we were talking before, you know, I, I can run for an hour at five-minute a kilometre pace, nasal breathing, my heart rate's 107, 110. I don't even feel like I'm running. I'm not saying that to show off. What I'm saying is with years of patience and taking the Muppet glasses off, that's what I call them, and, and actually looking at what's going on, you can totally transform your way in health and fitness and not be sick. So they're sort of two, two of the big things I think that are the biggest learnings that I've gotten out of my transformation and all the reading and learning and looking at smart people. Well, it's, I mean, this wasn't rehearsed either. And it's so interesting, that second point about the, the, the Tim Noakes reference. As a former guest, he was very public in tearing out the pages that, that promoted this high-carb carb loading approach to, to running. And last Saturday is when I partook in the Century Surf Coast 100-kilometer ultramarathon, and I did it for the first 91 kilometers. And I'll explain why up to 91 on less than 200 grams of carbohydrate through some hard cheese, some made-by-cow brand, which is a cold-pressed uh, uh, milk, which is the closest thing to raw milk you can get in the state of Victoria here. And I had some coconut water for electrolytes. But re reality, from an electrolyte point of view, it was the teaspoon of salt that I was taking in every hour that was the thing that really kept me going. 
And and all I had for breakfast was a T-bone. I had nearly three T-bones for dinner the night before. I forced them down. And the first 50Ks I did in about seven hours, 15. And it's 20, you know, 22 Ks of the total runs on the beach. You're running, you know, like in pretty, you know, challenging conditions. And to get to 91 Ks on on that many carbohydrates was just people, people that were offering me food were saying, you're going to bonk, you know, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And I'm just like, just get out of my way. Why is that possible, Andre? Why can you do it without the carbs? Yeah, why? Well, because our body... Our body's preferred source of fuel is fat. So if the viewers think about this, right, if you've got a fire at home, think of, think of this as an analogy. Sugar and carbohydrates are like tiny twigs. And if you've got a fire at home or you go camping, you've got to, you put these twigs on the fire all the time and they give you a quick, short burst of fuel. But if you don't keep putting the twigs on the fire you're going to bonk, you're going to run out of fuel, right? When you put a big fat log on the fire, that's fat. And fat burns nice and easily. It burns consistently. And we have, even I, I've got 7% body fat. I've got plenty of fat in my body, in my liver. You know, I have a heap of fat that my body can access. And we were talking before that we rarely eat, you know, before 11 or 12 o'clock during the day. Because our body is burning the fuel and we're not hungry. The, you know, it takes time though. We have to build that fat burning machine. We have to have our body adapt to be able to burn fat and live on fat. And when we do, our brain function is optimized. Our body composition can be optimized, especially if we include some either fasting or time restricted feeding. And we don't need to eat before we train. Like, I rarely eat before I train ever. Um, and, and before a half Ironman, I will have some bacon and eggs and some vegetables because I'm not carnivore, but I'll have that at, you know, two hours before the swim because it's a five-hour race Yeah, just because I don't. And, I, and for me, that racing is intense in the run. Even though the heart rate's still pretty low, I'm pushing, you know, four hours of swim, ride, run. But... Your body, your body is meant to live like that. Our bodies were built and evolved so that we would eat some meat when we caught an animal and then next time we found an animal we'd eat, except we've fucked it up. You know, Ansel Keys fucked it up by thinking that President Eisenhower had a heart attack because of cardio, because uh, of high cholesterol levels and that caused the fear of fat in the world and then in the 70s, that work and the seven-country study that he did, which was actually 21 countries, changed the food guidelines. The McGovern Committee that he was sitting on changed the American food guidelines to help the farmers sell more grains because the farmers, there was an election on, grain crops were stagnant, let's make polyunsaturated oils, let's sell heaps of cereal, let's tell people they need margarine instead of butter. And the whole world changed. And you can look at the graphs that show how everything changed. I know I'm going on a tangent here, but that's where all this bullshit comes from. And it, it really has affected the world in a very bad way. You know, we're lucky that we've been able to understand this and take the lessons from experts like Tim Noakes and Stephen Finney and lots of other people around the world and done our own experiment on ourselves and we've reaped the rewards. And I just urge people, 
that if they have a sickness and they go to a doctor and the doctor can't tell them, you know, where's this sickness come from, they actually ask questions. And if, if we can expand on that, I've got a couple of examples. So, you know, a lot of people have thyroid conditions. Yesterday I spoke to a gentleman in the US who was looking to do coaching with me and my first question to him was, okay, you've got a major thyroid condition. Can you tell me where that developed from? And he said, oh, genetics, I think. I said, oh, okay. I said, has your doctor ever told you to stop eating gluten or stop eating grains or stop having dairy um, or alcohol? Oh, no. What did he do? Oh, he just gave me medication. You know, if you have runny bowels all the time or you're constipated or it's usually runny bowels, you know, and you go to your doctor, I've had clients come to me, the doctors say, oh, that's just you. I mean, that's total bullshit. Within weeks of them stopping eating gluten and dairy and alcohol and having some supplementation to help heal the gut because they've got leaky gut, they all of a sudden start having a normal poo. No doctor ever told them that. So to me, the moral of the story is you got to take the glasses off and really think about what's going on. And our bodies are made to burn fat. And, and we're both evidence of that. And so is Zach Bitter, the 100-mile world record holder. You know, there's heaps of athletes. You know, Mark Allen, one of the world's legendary Ironmans. At the time, he wouldn't tell people what he's doing. But now he's a big proponent of it. You know, there's so many people that are coming out from under the covers because they've got this wonderful insight that this is how our body is meant to live. It's so far beyond any shadow of any doubt that it's the right way for me to live, certainly, and and I think for every other human. And I know that might sound like an arrogant statement, but it's – I don't believe it to be. And, and, you know, one of the examples from the run on on the weekend was – by not taking on any carbohydrate, I was able to keep inflammation down. Yeah. And and by keeping inflammation down, I fucking enjoyed the run a lot longer. Now, the run took me just over 20 hours. And, and the reason it took me so long is I'd started a new job doing manual labor and I'd been on my knees for my taper week, which was unavoidable. And it was, so I made it, a, made it the wrong preparation. But my lungs and my mind were – in tune and they were perfect through to the end and i had the tenacity to finish off the the run with you know 35 k's of walking and and pulled up extraordinarily well you know i've just done two runs of 10 k's two days in a row you know a week later no worries and i never would have been able to do that with my old style of living and, and people always say to me oh i get so sore when i run i do this that i don't think they realize that it's the diet that's causing the soreness it's the sugar it's the inflammation i i you know i've run i don't know 24 marathons i've done new york three times and two of the times i did new york i was eating normal muppet food <laughs> that's a normal diet guys right and each time i remember i couldn't walk the next day i was like hobbling around new york my legs were so sore as i said you know this marathon i did four weeks ago under covid rules so i broke the law come and arrest me right <laughs> I ran from Middle Park to Bo Morrison back in three hours twenty-seven. Uh, yeah, it was a solid run, but the next day, not one bit of inflammation. You know, as I said, I was going to the physio twice a week to get my calves massaged, and it was all inflammation from the porridge, the rice, the oats, all that yummy food we get addicted to. 
but I was a fat boy and I didn't, it was really an eye-opening experience to take the glasses off and realize I had to fix something, you know, but no, no, no one told me that because everyone else in my office was fat. You know, there were skinny people and I thought, gee, they don't look healthy, but now I look like one of them, except I look healthy, you know, but yeah. <laughs> hey, just to reiterate for people who are able to see this 55, yeah. 55, and, and, and I'm, I'm struggling to think of a time I've met a 55-year-old or even a 50-year-old in as good a shape as you. And, like, you know, being around elite cricket, you know, for most of my life, like, it's unbelievable how rare it is. And, and you know, back in Melbourne, just to notice in the last 48 hours on Friday night, all the nightclubs have been opened up. So there's a bunch of, you know, 17 to 20-year-old kids around and the num like the sheer percentage of like obese overweight women especially was just heartbreaking yeah, yeah. but it's not their fault cuz th- it's not their fault in some way i'm sure some people will say it is but but it is their responsibility it is their responsibility because they haven't taken the glasses off but they're just following the advice that's out there you know the nutrition guidelines say eat Eight grains, eight serves of grains and carbohydrates a day. Don't eat meat because you'll have a heart attack. You know, um, if you go to your doctor and you and you're overweight, if the doctor has the balls, they'll say, "Oh, maybe you should do some more exercise to trim a little bit of weight." Instead of saying you're 20 kilos overweight, you've got a health problem, right? The society and society doesn't want to tell people what they don't want to hear. You know. I tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And we need more of that. And you do it in the right way. You do it in a kind and caring way. But that's the problem we have, you know. People say, oh, it's my genetics. Our health, 95% of it, is controlled by our hands. And it's, a li- it's called lifestyle factors. About 5% is genetics. Yet people use that bullshit excuse all the time. Oh, I'm big boned or... I've got this hereditary thing. No, you're eating shit food, you don't sleep enough, and you don't move enough. But that's the priority, in my opinion. It's all about food, sleep, stress, and then appropriate movement, not the other way around. And that's the thing that screws everyone up. They say, oh, as long as you're exercising and you're putting more calories out than you're eating, you'll be fine. And it doesn't work. Bullshit. But that's the advice people are given. So people are watching this or listening to this, Andre, and they are thinking, fuck, I want Andre as my – I want him to motivate me. What, what, what's the criteria for taking people on? Because I know you just don't take anyone. Well, firstly, I don't want to have to motivate anyone because if, if you're not motivated enough to pay some good coin and turn up every week to a coaching session – and make some big changes in your life, well, I'm not going to work with them. So, you know, I say to people, you know, if you can't give up alcohol for 12 weeks, if you can't give up gluten, bread, you know, flour, pasta, anything with gluten in it, um, your cappuccinos for 12 weeks, then don't even bother because that's the first thing I ask people to do. Um, What about when people say, yeah, but life's to be lived, Andre. You know, it's okay, everything in moderation including moderation, what's your response to that? Well, great. Do it. If that's, what, if that's what you want to do, do it. Yeah, I'll have some cocaine in moderation. I'll, I'll have some uh, marijuana in moderation. Yeah, cool. 
you know, it's such a bullshit saying, you know, I'll have some death in moderation. Like, you know, <laughs> if that's what, if that's what their opinion is, go for it. There's plenty of people in the world that want help that'll not be so stupid, you know? So for people that are curious to know about how you live your life, Andre, yeah. I, you, you to me are the epitome of someone who practices, practice what he preaches in, in my own life. I try and do that as best I can. I'm getting better and better at it. Right. I'm a fl- deeply flawed individual like every human being on this planet. But what, in terms of your own day-to-day, how do you live your life? I know for starters, just quickly, you don't drink, you don't take caffeine, you're not a smoke, you don't do drugs. What else? Um, well, I place probably the biggest importance um, on sleep. Um, so I'm in bed at 9.15 most nights and I try to – I track everything. So I have biometric devices and I try and sleep through till 6 a.m., so sleep for me is the number one, and that's my biggest challenge because I've got the food nailed. But for me, basically, it revolves around uh, in terms of health, sleep, nutrition. The nutrition for me is low carb. Um, I don't eat generally till 11 o'clock, and then I try not to snack. Um, and then I eat at 6 or 6.30 at the latest, and it's always meat with salad and or some vegetables um, because I've got, body fat, I eat some sweet potato and potato roasted but with fat all the time and my weight ranges between, you know, 62 and a half if I'm really skinny to 65. When I get to 65, I'm like, hmm, I'm a bit chunky. I need to think about, you know, have I been snacking? Um, I don't believe in cheat, this bullshit thing called cheat days. If I want to have a a gluten-free lemon meringue pie, I have it. Why? Because I'm not inflamed, I'm not sick, I'm not overweight and if I like to have something like that once in a while, I have it. But it's not a cheat day or anything. Um, Drink lots of water. Uh, The only thing I drink is water and Rubios, Roy Boss tea, which Anna made me, which was lovely. Um, And I exercise every day except for Saturday. Saturday is usually a rest day and and 80 80 to 90% of my exercise is below 130 beats a minute. And I exercise anything from, you know, an hour and a half to four hours a day, depending on what I've got on. I think people uh, that are are only able to listen to this, to describe Andre's physique, you know, when you you imagine 7%, he's very lean, muscular, but incredibly vibrant, healthy looking. And unfortunately, that's that's not a normal homeostatic size for most people and and you talk about being able to have a limb meringue pie or whatever because presumably your metabolic health is on point yeah well i have all my bloods done i i spent three close to three grand this year getting a big health screen done at a place in hampton which was they scanned and shoved things everywhere (laughs) up my body um they scanned every single thing with a mri and a ct and the machine where you go and it goes Nong, 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 ning, 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 you know, that machine, whatever that one is. Yeah. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I've got my calcium score of zero. My heart's under 30. TAC. Yep. Have all my, I know you've had yours done and it's fantastic. Had your carotid artery scanned, checked everything for cancer, growths, and tumor. And I have all my blood, I have about 38 blood, uh, not tests, but one test 
every six months and it has about 38 different things tested and all of those markers are outstanding. So, yeah, if I want to have a lemon meringue pie that's gluten-free, I'll have one once in a while and it doesn't make me sick and it doesn't make me have diarrhoea. Um, and, yeah, so it's not everything in moderation. It's I have something that I call a treat once in a while. It's not a cheat, but it's not a habit. And if the good the thing is, though, if I notice that the next day I'm hanging for something like that, then I really take that on board and say, okay, that's starting to be a problem. So I then cut, I then make a deliberate decision to say, okay, I better not do that again for another month or two. How, how improved is your life now versus when you were working with that company that should not be mentioned as um, a factor of out of a hundred, do you reckon? Oh, 200%. Not, not earning anywhere near as much, but it's not about that. And I, I suppose the reason I asked that question is people associate a lot of what we're talking about with giving up and, you know, foregoing and missing out. And I, I know how I feel and you know how you feel. If you could describe most of the time how you feel from a fulfillment, from a mental health point of view, from a contentment point of view, how would that, how would that rating be? Oh, probably um, seven, seven out of ten most days. I think. Versus when you were with the old company. Uh, probably minus seven out of ten. And so I think that uh, that's you know, and you're probably being a little bit hard on yourself at times with that seven, because from my own personal experience, like the mental health component of of uh, running and being free and like being with my shirt off and. Like the mental health component for me, I never got to the depths that you were with your depression, but I certainly experienced periods of anxiety and that type of thing as well. It's it's such a wonderful feeling that it's better than any drug I ever took, than any bender I ever went on, than any gamble that I ever made, you know, promiscuous, like whatever. It just it trumps it by such a huge fact. And I was just curious to know whether you experienced that type of response. Yeah, well, I think, you know, if I couldn't exercise, I'd be in a world of hurt. Um, so to me, exercise is a really important part of life and sleeping well is really important and, and helping people, you know, through the coaching. And you know, I've had, I've got one woman who's on my website, um, you know, Yasmin. She's lost 20% of her body weight. Totally amazing like she will live longer there's another a woman i did a group of lawyers a coaching program for a group group of 60 lawyers there's a woman on that program elder is her name and she was diabetic or she is diabetic but her blood sugar has gone from you know seven or eight down to 5.4 totally she said it's totally she's lost you know five or six kilos totally changed her life her doctor never told her to so the fact that you can help people with those sorts of things and there's another guy who I just finished working with. He's anonymous on my website because he was he's in the army. He didn't want his name, but he lost 12. His wife lost 15 and she wasn't even doing the program with me. And the best thing is his son has type 1 diabetes. His son's eating the same way as them and he's reduced the requirement for his insulin. And, and no one can believe that that's what's happened. Like the nurse at the school can't believe that food's made that difference. So... To help people like that's just just great, you know. Well, I was going to say, what what is your your proudest student uh, transformation 
out of the, the the whole career that you've been operating under now? Uh, probably Yasmin. You know, this this woman's a very senior uh, curriculum leader at a school in Melbourne, and gee, I didn't think she'd be able to do it. But she was like, really, she's my biggest winner so far. Yeah, she, no alcohol. So she went off alcohol a hundred percent because when we met, she she drank once in a while, and I said, you know, challenge yourself to this, and she's like, that's one of the biggest things that you know, stopping drinking. Not that she was drinking a lot, but that's helped her heaps, and uh, yeah, she's she wants to get back into running and trail walking and all of that stuff. And you look at the photos on the website; it's totally, it's just like amazing. She's she's probably the biggest. Um, buzz that I've got out of working with. And where, where can people get hold of you, Andre? Uh, just my website, andreabredovic.com. Um, I do have Instagram, um, so you can follow me there, but I don't do it. For 12 months I've been off it. I, I look once in a while on my computer. I don't, I don't have social media on my phone except for Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, I've got a health and wellness app, so if they go to their phone app store and just search my name, Andre Abredovic, um, they can download my health and wellness app. It's free. There's a wellness Wednesday section under the free stuff, which has a podcast and a video every Wednesday come out on a range of topics. There's probably a hundred different videos and podcasts there. Um, and there is a course I run on that app, which if they want it, they have to contact me and then I invoice and give them access. It's a, it's a lifetime access for $199 for a, a course that covers nutrition, stress, exercise, covering all these principles yeah, that's probably the best way. I'm in Melbourne. Um, I'm not taking any more clients till January, you know, end of January because I'm full up. But if people want to, you know, reach out and work with me, they can apply via the website. It's all pretty easy to find out how to do all of that. Yeah, and there's some phenomenal content on there. I think $199 is, is probably the cheapest thing you could ever buy for the amount of value you get out of it. And I think, you know, we spoke about it earlier, you exemplify someone who practices what he preaches and, and straight down the line. I think we are unfortunately in a snowflake society for most of the time and we need more brave people like you, Andre, to be able to call these Muppets out and get people to look in the mirror and, and look at how big they are and say, is this the life that I want to live for myself? Mm, yeah. Wh- one of the questions I ask people um, – if they're significantly overweight is, you know, if they've got uh, young, if they've got kids who are 20 or 18 or whatever, I say, how do you want to feel when your grandkids are here? Like, do you want to, what do you want to be able to do with them? Because if someone likes going to the beach or playing tennis or whatever, I say, well, how are you going to go in 15 years when your grandkids are 15? How are you going to go down walking on the beach? And that can really an elicit elicit a interesting reaction. You know, how how are you going to feel at your daughter's wedding if you don't make changes now? And you know, if if they're sort of struggling to understand that, I, I say things like a negative thing, which can sometimes also elicit a change to say, well, you know, you're already on metformin, your blood sugar's already here, you're telling me you're already twenty five kilos overweight you've got high blood pressure, can I explain to you what your health looks like in five or ten years if you don't take action? And I say to them, if your doctor hasn't told you this, then you need to find a new doctor that you're going to 
be in a wheelchair or you're going to maybe have one leg gone or you're going to be another 20 kilos heavier and how are you going to be at your daughter's wedding <laughs> or your son's wedding like that and that can really make a change happen and, and I say all because you're you like eating bread and you like drinking alcohol and you know you think you can't give up eating rice or pasta and I say that's a bullshit excuse you know, you've got to be care. You've got to think about who you're talking to. But sometimes, and for the most people that I've said that to, and there hasn't been many, it can make them make a yeah, you're right. But they've never thought like that because no one's told them what they need to hear. They just tell them what they want to hear. Oh, it's all right. Take four metformin a day. Keep eating your cereal. Go and see the diabetes educator, and they'll just tell you more bullshit. Like, oh yeah, just take your blood every day. You need some more medication. It's total BS. One of the uh, the up and coming guests is Dr. Sean O'Meara, and he was talking about in one of his podcasts with Brian Sanders from Food Lies. I, I'll link it below about from an ancestral point of view, our grandparents, if they were alive, they made it through. You know, the higher infant mortality were to be revered and respected because they were healthy. They just had a few grey hairs, but they had all the wisdom. And what's happening in modern society now, and I'm experiencing this with my own family at the moment, with parents, is that we don't respect our parents and our grandparents with the same respect that we used to give them because the fact that they are so ill and infirm. And I think that's a really powerful metaphor for for life like do you you know you talk about like do you want to be disrespected as as a grandparent when you're older like do you do you want to be ignored do you do you not want to be as well looked after as what you should be because you just have neglected to look after yourself and i think that's another question that people can ask themselves you know the the other thing they can do is they can search youtube for um a video it's the AC, if you look up ACDC Swanston Street Mall, 1970s, you should put the video. We'll link in. it below, yeah. yeah. It's a video of all, the, it's a black and white video of all these skinny as people, not just the band, because, you know, they probably never ate, they were just on cocaine or whatever drugs you <laughs> took in those days, LSD or whatever, but just jokes. Um, and there's not one fat person in the street. In the 70s. Now, remember, that's when the food guidelines changed. So all of this started happening in seventies, in the 70s when we got a fear of fat. You then look at Swanson Street today and if there's a skinny person, people think they're sick. Like as an example, when I lost my weight, I went to see my mother-in-law and the first thing she said to me was, oh, Andre, you look sick. <laughs> Yet her, her other sister, not my wife, but her other sister, She'd never say to her, oh, you look sick because you're 50 kilos overweight. Right? Well, another bullshit thing, right? Speaking of diet, can I call upon Anna? Anna made an over. We've got a bit of a, a treat, surprise for our audience that are able to uh, watch this today. And for those that are listening we will uh, we will describe in intricate detail what's about to happen here. Andre, you haven't ever been a huge fan of offal. No. 
after a pretty shady experience with a rotted sheep's head when you with your time during the army. Yes. Yeah, I would describe a little bit. <laughs> uh, I was when I, I was doing my um, in 1989. I was 24, and I did the one of 89 SAS selection course. For those of you that don't know, it's all from America. It's like the SEALs. Um, you know, British SAS in Australia. And I, I completed this course, which was great. And uh, in the last four weeks, in the last week of the four-week phase, uh, we got some food and it was a hot box, which is a big steel box, and it had a sheep's head in it. And <laughs> it was foul. I could still smell it now. And that was our food. And we hadn't eaten for days. It was pretty terrible. You know, someone pulled the eyeball out with a fork and munched on the eyeball and <laughs> the brains were in there. So, yeah, I haven't been a big fan of offal. But, but, but I take it using supplements. So I take testicle, prostate, bone marrow and liver in supplement capsules from a company out of America. Are you, are you allowed to mention who they oh, are? Ancestral supplements. Ancestral, and and yeah. I sell their stuff here in Australia too. So I think you should give them a shout-out because I think um, – Wrapping your head around organ meat, you know, it's something that's certainly evolved in my own nutrition profile in the last couple of years. And if I'd said to you again five years ago that I'd be eating raw lamb's heart after <laughs> finishing the 100-kilometer, the um, I, I would have laughed in your face. But I, it's it's something that's really dawned on me, Andre, is that now that I understand how nu- nutritionally dense and bioavailable, the 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 um, the goodness in these things are. It's changed my perception, so I've become a lot more comfortable with consuming the, the organ meat. And and as part of when this comes out, which will be more than likely in in January of twenty twenty one, we have been involved with uh, Organuary, which is this initiative to get people to be become more conscious about organ meat and eat more nose to tail eliminate a lot of waste and stuff so for even people that are that are um that are struggling with the thought the concept of it you know it might be the 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 one thing that's that's uh, holding you back from living a really full life so with the assistance from the our beautiful uh, assistant animator Nova, we'll uh, we'll stand by and we'll um, we'll get stuck into it. Thank you to the wonderful assistant Anna who has bought for us uh, an extraordinary array of. This is some uh, extraordinary uh, liver from one of your suppliers up in New South Wales. Yeah, able to give them a wee shout out. Sure, our cow, our cow. Uh, you can find them online, and if you use the discount code CARNIVORE10, you'll get 10% off anything you order. Uh, the lamb, the livers, uh, the offal isn't on the website, but when you order, you can ask them to add it in because not many people order it. But if you use CARNIVORE10, uh, they'll get you'll get a 10% discount. We don't get any kickback or money from them. It's just something to help people buy good meat, and uh, we get their meat every three weeks delivered. T-bones, ribeyes, beautiful, mince. It's great, mate. So this is this is something that I really uh, am super passionate about because for a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, not having access to good quality meat because they might live a bit more remotely or whatever. So this is, just helps bypass that. You're able to get it delivered to your door fresh. And so what we're going to do today, Andre, have you never had raw liver before, have you? No. How 
How excited slash nervous are you? <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous, but that's okay. It looks sure. like it's been prepared beautifully. And sure. It's been frozen, so. It's been frozen fresh. Um, it's been seasoned with some beautiful uh, Murray River pink salt, I think we've got on there. And, um, well, why don't we just get stuck in? Sure. And just see what you think. Beautiful. Looks like a bit of carpaccio. To me, that tastes like an oyster. It's not bad, actually. It's um, really palatable. Now, I did say there was going to be a surprise, and we've got the the organic lamb heart. This isn't from our cow. Uh, this is from Gary's Quality Meat in Pran Market in Melbourne here. They don't do the, the same type of deliveries, but... Um, His lamb was beautiful. His, his lamb shot was really good. How confident that you could take a little wee nibble off the end of that heart? No, no way. <laughs> no way, man. No. It's for you. It's all I, for you, I man. think if our audience were, were able to, if we could hear them, they'd be chanting, they'd be chanting a do it. I, I think this will really, this will define you as a, as a as like an elite level coach. Because if you take a bite, I'm going to take a bite after you as well. I think. I just no. why don't you just try a little bit and see how you go? I think this will make some really great TV. So come on, Andre. I believe in you. You can do this. Has it got lemon on it? Squeeze, squeeze some lemon on there if you need to. Oh, this is this is some real primal stuff. Just bite the end off and get it on the telly. Oh, he's taking a bite. He's ripping the end off. That is fantastic. And and COVID nineteen. I'm going to take a. You'll take a much bigger bite. A bite. Oh. See, to me. It's okay. It's good, isn't it? It tastes a bit like raw steak. Yeah, it's okay. A bit like steak tartare, maybe. So, Not bad, congratulations, Andre. This is a, a, a an extraordinary moment on the Become Your Own Superhero show. So, <laughs> wasn't that bad? Congratulations. Yeah. And I think it's, look, in, in all seriousness, like, how was it? Like, yeah, it was like liver. Tastes yeah. a bit like the liver, and the liver was you know cu- uh, cut frozen thin with some seasoning. It tasted just tasted like a, a raw oyster, and it is very nutrient dense. I mean, this is how this is how ancient people used to eat. You didn't have Uncle Jerry's ice cream, or you know Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's is that what it's called? Who are both dead from heart disease, by the way? Or yeah, or cereal. This is how people ate. This has been quite extraordinary, Andre. Before we wrap this up. Is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners on? Um, yeah, I'd like to go back to that point where, you know, health is a choice. And most of our health, in fact, 95% of our health is determined by lifestyle factors and things that you decide about and do every day. It's not genetics. So if you want to have a healthier life, make better choices. The first step is look in the mirror and have a reality check. The second thing is get the right information. So sack people that aren't giving you the right information. And then the third thing is execute and make it happen. Just those three things. Mirror, check in the mirror, get the right info, and then execute. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure. Andre Bradovich. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. 
If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training where I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.